Howdy, folks. Welcome to a world of fantasy with seven magical lands of timeless fun. The Magic Kingdom, where happily ever afters happen every day. Wait a minute. I love that idea. How about some backstage passes? Karebuni. I am Warden Wilson Mutua, and I am happy to welcome you to Harambe Wildlife Reserve. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast with your hosts, Dewey, Ron, and Tony. Here, we'd love to talk about the Walt Disney World Resort, the way we remember it, how it's changed, and why we still enjoy visiting the most magical place on Earth. We're not experts, but we want to share our unique experiences and memories with you. You may learn some facts you never knew before, and you may return to some of your own memories of the Walt Disney World Resort and we'd love to share these memories together. So come with us on a podcast journey as we reflect on the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please stand clear of the doors. Reflections. Hey y'all, welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast, your unofficial guide through Disney World memories and their connections to the parks we know and love today. I'm Dewey, one of your hosts, and this is episode number 27 of the WDW Reflections podcast. Thank you all for being here with us. Stick around towards the end of the show for more information on how you can contact us and become involved through social media groups and maybe even be a contributor to future shows. With me today are my podcast travel buddies, Ron and Tony, coming to us from Cleveland, Tennessee. My good buddy, Ron. What's going on, Ron? Hey, it's going well. Um, good to be here this morning. Hey, everyone. Well, that was a very abrupt stop. I was waiting for more. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have went. I'm, I didn't. I was. I'm not very good at these introductions. <laughs> no problem. Hey, that was just my expectation. You don't have to, you know, you're under no obligation <laughs> to fulfill that. So good to have you here this morning, Ron. And then coming from uh, the Big Apple, my good buddy, Tony G. How you doing, Tony? Hey, what's going on, guys? Good morning. It's uh, hopefully going to be a fun time to talk about all things Disney on this brisk winter morning. Come on, Tony. I was in a good mood and then you bring <laughs> up winter and now I'm in a bad mood again. You've ruined it. Wow, the flowers are blooming here. Ron, Just you're saying. not helping. You're not helping. <laughs> there are no flowers here in desolate, cold, winter Delaware. Blah. It's the worst. We may have to mow grass this week. Oh, my God. I, I hope you run out of gas, jerk. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, gas is like $4 a gallon. Right? I can't afford to mow the grass. Maybe it's a good thing the grass isn't growing. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. So let's go ahead and just jump right on into this week's episode. What do you guys think? Are y'all ready to? Sorry, I just got distracted. Ron put picked up a dog in his video for sorry. some reason. It just like completely threw me off. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. No problem. It's actually better to look the look at the dog than it I is to you, Ron. Go there. <laughs> Maybe the dog can be the third host. He's boring. Right. You're boring him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump right into 
episode 27. So this week, we're going to take a walk down memory lane and talk about uh, the now defunct, the no longer with us, Disney Quest. Disney Quest was down in downtown Disney on the west side. For those of you that uh, don't remember or never had an opportunity to enjoy Disney Quest, it was all the way down, basically uh, across the little walkway from the House of Blues and next to the Cirque du Soleil, which uh, at the time was Lanuba. It's a new show now, but uh, it's all the way down at the very end of downtown Disney, the west side, you know, and of course it's no longer downtown Disney. Now it's Disney Springs, but back hey, in I'm the just day, curious, did you, miss, did you miss the downtown Disney name? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I do, you know, I'm a grumpy old man, so I'm going like, boo, change. But, um, you know, Disney Springs is pretty. It's, it's oh. aesthetically, it's beautiful. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, to me, it, it's mostly like a fancy shopping mall that I don't really shop at any of those stores. You know, the Coca-Cola store is cool. And, you know, of course the world of Disney is cool, but, you know, I, if I want to go to Abercrombie and Fitch or whatever, you know, I can do that at my mall at home. You know, I don't need to do that at the Disney Springs. So yeah, that know. is kind of weird. How are you going to get that stuff home anyway? Well, I do know that it's pretty popular with locals, Disney Springs. Yeah. Is. So, you know, maybe, maybe for the locals, it's awesome. You can have a taste of Disney at the same time as getting your you know, your new jeans at the Gap or whatever. I don't even know what stores are down there. <laughs> yeah, they're not that they're not that inexpensive of a store. They've got right. like the posh of the mop, posh store. Yeah, absolutely. So I do miss Disney, downtown Disney, Ron. That is a definite I do miss downtown Disney. So uh, so before we jump in, uh, you guys, did you guys ever get a chance to enjoy Disney Quest? Did you visit it? Did you, you know, spend a day in there or anything like that? Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Tony. I did. I, I got to spend, I think, at least two visits I went there. Um, I, I was at one, there was one year that the annual pass was affordable. I, I don't believe I spent more than $300 on it. And I knew I was going to make several trips to Florida that particular year and i it was included as part of that and so I, I i made sure to to get a sampling of everything and that was one of the things that was on it and i went in there at the time i wasn't a, a big gamer so the attraction to me was not really that big but i did enjoy my experience there awesome yeah and well uh when we get to the end after we go through the whole you know history of it and everything uh let's do a, a quick uh, kind of a review. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like, that kind of stuff. What about you, Ron? Have you ever, did you ever get a chance to experience Disney so Quest? I, I know what it, you know, I, as we were planning trips, I looked at every options that, that Disney provided and I knew what Disney Quest was. I've never been a big gamer. So it appealed to me just from a perspective of there was some unique, unique things in that in that opportunity but i'm still I, not enough that i thought my daughters were very young at the time 
So I don't think they would have enjoyed it, though they may have. But we also were on limited time. And so it, it was very, um, that's why we opted not to do it. It looked very interesting, but I never had the opportunity to go. And, and we're going to talk about uh, how how it was in its heyday or in its youth, I guess you could say, when Disney Quest was either in development or, or just not long after it had been, you know, opened and everything. It was pretty impressive. And then it, uh, as we'll talk about here in a few minutes, it didn't stay impressive and, and state of the art for very long. So let's talk about Disney Quest. So Disney Quest was an indoor interactive theme park. That's how the Disney company uh, was selling Disney Quest. It was the perfect place to go for like a, a rainy day or something like that. If you knew it was going to be rainy and didn't want to spend or didn't want to waste one of your park days in the rainy Magic Kingdom, then the indoor interactive theme park was perfect. It really was uh, supposed to be, you know, all under one roof. You could have so many Disney adventures all under one roof and you could do that while staying dry, you know, and you know how those, those rainy Florida days can be. It could rain for 10 minutes. It could rain for 10 hours. You just don't know. So an indoor interactive theme park. So it opened on June 19th in 1998 in what was then called Downtown Disney at the Walt Disney World Resort. It was housed in a five-story windowless building. And when you entered, you entered the first floor lobby and were transported via in a magic elevator to the third floor atrium at the start of your visit. So Disney Quest contained numerous virtual reality attractions, and they were fun for all ages, as well as classic and, at the time, recent arcade games. And we'll talk about some of the attractions here in a few minutes. So the Disney Quest project was designed as a way for the Disney brand to reach populations outside of its theme parks. So they were trying to reach people, and they maybe couldn't always get to either California or Florida, they were trying to reach those people. I guess you could say in between Disney trips, you could still have that Disney experience. At least that's what the idea was supposed to be. It was believed that uh, in, this, or in, in this plan, they were going to try and build locations uh, throughout the United States. And it was believed these regional attractions could take the place of a full-scale Disney theme park. Disney wanted to take advantage of the growing popularity of shopping malls. So you guys know, in the 1980s and the 1990s, man, malls were pretty popular. They, were, they became a hangout destination to teenagers. Uh, and really, they were kind of transformed into entertainment hubs. It wasn't just a place to go shopping. You know, they had movie theaters and uh, you know, lots of different experiences could be had at your local shopping mall. So Disney was trying to to jump on the, the shopping mall popularity bandwagon, if you will. They were trying to reach the people because the people were already going to the malls. They were there 
Uh, I know when, when I was a teenager, you know, not a whole lot of exciting things to do in um, North Little Rock, Arkansas in the 1980s. Uh, my friends and I, we would go to the mall, you know, before I could drive, my, my parents would drop me off at the mall and we would just walk around the mall and, uh, you know, hope a girl would talk to us or something, you know, and, and that's just what we did as teenagers. So Disney was trying to cash in on some of that popularity for shopping malls in the 80s and 90s. So building a full-scale theme park in a new location, in most cases, is pretty cost prohibitive. And Disney was looking for a way to, to, to spread, uh, spread out, maybe increase its footprint in the United States without spending re really a billion dollars on a new theme park somewhere else. So an entire new division of the Walt Disney Company was created to implement these new expansion ideas that new division was dubbed the Disney Regional Entertainment Division. And it began its first foray into regional entertainment with what was very short-lived, an idea called Club Disney. You guys remember Club Disney? No. Did you see, did you see those? Um, Ron, I see you nodding your head. You know what Club Disney was? Yeah, I remember it being... Um... I remember it. I don't know that I remember, I the remember shirt. exactly what it was, but I do remember the name of it. So Club Disney was an indoor play center that featured Disney branded activities and then Disney's snacks and dining. So the idea was that it was going to be in your local shopping mall and it would be almost like a, uh, like a, those indoor playgrounds that you could take your kids to, but it would be Disney branded. And again, the idea was to spread it all across the country. They built five of them, mostly out West. There was some in California. I think Arizona had one or two. And, uh, but they didn't last very long. They were closed pretty quickly due to poor attendance, but just what's that? That's surprising. I know. But despite this failure, Disney still moved forward with its plan to build the, uh, to clone the, the Disney Quest that was in Orlando. They, their plan was to build 30 locations, wow. 30 different locations for Disney Quest all across the U.S. These 30 locations were meant to target large cities and urban areas. So... Do you know did, that uh, where they built the first uh, Disney Quest outside of Orlando? Do you guys know where that was? No. No? But you, Ron? You, I see you're thinking. You're, you're looking. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm just trying to think str strategically where they would have focused on. All I right. would have said New York, but Tony would have known about that. So. Yeah, Tony probably would have known. So the first expansion the second Disney Quest location to be built was built and opened in Chicago on June 16th, 1999. So it was completed just about a year after the original location in Orlando. And Disney went all out for the grand opening of their first chain Disney Quest location. Uh, when the Chicago complex, complex opened on June 16th, 1999, Disney hosted a spectacular celebration. They had fireworks. They had Buzz Lightyear zip lining 
from the from the building. Uh, lots of Toy Story characters because remember this is '99, so Toy Story is pretty pretty new, pretty popular. Uh, and even a television special about the event, about opening the new Disney Quest in Chicago. And the location was slightly smaller than the Orlando location, but it did have the same list of attractions. So you could go to both or either the Disney downtown Disney location or the Chicago location and have basically the same experience. So let's talk about some of the attractions. So Disney Quest consisted of five different floors. Remember I said it was a five-story building. Disney Quest also had four themed zones. And each of these zones were basically, they didn't necessarily encompass just a floor. They were also vertical zones. So each zone extended vertically, vertically through multiple floors up and down. So after you pass through the ticket lobby, you would enter into the venture port. And this venture port was sort of like um, your, the gateway to all the adventures you were about to have. And you could, you had the choice. You could go up, down, left, right. You could go anywhere you wanted. This venture port literally was the way you entered into all of these exciting adventures. But before you got to the venture port, you had to ride a special elevator. And, you know, if you remember, like, the Living Seas down in Epcot Center, you didn't get on an elevator. You got on a hydrolator, right? You went underwater. Well, sort of the same idea, but in Disney Quest, you went into a, a cyberlator. And when you entered the cyberlator, it's actually pretty cool. It had a pretty cool effect. You and you walked in, the doors closed. You, it looks like you're in a, a normal elevator, you know, just silver gray walls, just, just an elevator. And then right about the time your elevator was, or you, I'm sorry, your cyberlator was about to ascend, you the, the wall came alive and it actually showed a video. And the video was your host genie from aladdin was your host and so where where there was no video screen before it was just a solid gray wall poof all of a sudden magically there's a video screen there and genie tells you about all the amazing adventures you're about to have as soon as you open those doors and enter the the venture port and that is where you could cross bridge like gateways to the four different zones and begin your adventure. So on the first floor, which is the, the, you know, the bottom floor, you could, uh, in the beginning, there was a Hercules adventure there. And uh, I can't give an opinion on that because it was gone before my first time attending. So I don't know a whole lot about the Hercules adventure, but it was quickly replaced in to the year 2000 with something I did experience. And it was the Pirates of the Caribbean battle for Buccaneer gold. And I see, Tony, you're nodding your head. You, yeah. you experienced this as well? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, listen, it was actually pretty darn cool. It was really cool. So um, I'll just read you what the description in, uh, in the Disney guides would tell you. 
Uh, you would man a pirate ship and destroy other pirate ships, maybe some sea monster monsters, and you were attempting to collect gold. And that was the whole idea. But it was more than just a video game. It was pretty immersive. You walked into this, I guess you could call it a booth, and you were physically standing on the um, the forward section of a pirate ship. And it, I mean, you know, it was all laid out. It had the, um, you know, it was wooden and, you know, you had the rail and stuff. And then there were cannons on either side. And all around you in front and all sides were all video screens. So you were surrounded by these video screens and the, the ships or the monsters or whatever you were fighting would just, they were just all around you. And you had to, one, one person got to be the captain and could steer the ship. That way you could better align yourselves with your, your foe. And then there were a couple of cannons on that, on the edges of the ship and the captain would steer the ship and the, 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 pers the persons that were on the cannons could then destroy your foes. It was actually really well done. And if you, if you followed the directions and, and did what you were supposed to do, it could last 15, 20 minutes. Like you could have a really good time and it wasn't a two minute adventure. You could, you could really spend some time in there. And Tony, refresh my memory. Didn't the, didn't it move? Didn't the boat like, I do remember. I thought it. I thought it moved. Uh, thinking back on it, I mean, I only went on that once, but I. I think. I think so. I'm pretty sure it did. Um, or that at least they it simulated was, that it did. And yeah, I mean, again, we're talking. It's probably been at least a decade since I've yeah. been there, but more than because it closed in 2000 something, right? 17. 17. Oh, okay. Yep. But I, I don't know. I don't think I went in 2017. I think it's been probably 10 years or so since I did it. So that's the Pirates of the Caribbean. That one was really cool. That was, honestly, that was the best thing there. It was really, really cool. Um, sort of on the same floor, on the first floor, pretty close actually to the Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, was the Virtual Jungle Cruise. And what you would do is, you would get onto an inflatable raft and sort of like the Pirates of the Caribbean adventure, there were video screens in front of you and you would get in the raft and then it would, it was pretty cool. Like it was sort of half deflated. And then when you sat in it, it would like the air would be, they would rush air into the, to your boat, reinflate it. And then you had these, uh, paddles like old school rowboat paddles and the end of the paddles had these round like circular sensors so when you paddled you had to those sensors would detect that you were making those motions and it would propel your virtual boat along this virtual uh, river cruise and the uh it, it was i'll be honest with you it was pretty difficult because every time you rode it you were with some knuckleheads that didn't know how to row a boat <laughs> and it, it actually made a difference if you knew how to row or not so sometimes you know you'd be rowing and you, you're really working hard but 
someone else isn't. And so the boat would, would veer because you're only rowing on one side and stuff. This one was pretty hard and you actually worked up a sweat too. But the idea of the ride was that you were, or the attraction was that you were making your way down a prehistoric river and you were trying to avoid dinosaurs and, and there would be sprays of water and stuff. And so what hey, you can I interrupt and I don't mean to, but no, go ahead. Let's go back to that boat deflating and reinflating. Help me understand that again. What were you in an actual boat or oh yes, you were in an actual boat. It was and it looked like um just like a yellow inflatable raft that you know, if like you're evacuating a sinking ship, it looked right. like one of those rafts, a big yellow inflatable yeah. boat. And I, I, my guess is that it was just a safety thing because you had to step into the boat and when it, when it was inflated, it was pretty probably like knee high. So I think it deflated so you could get into it easier. Once you sat down, it would reinflate and you know, you're inside this inflatable raft and that's pretty but, cool. It, it was pretty cool. Uh, it was pretty cool. There were several of them, right? Weren't there like, wasn't it oh, set yeah. up sort of like the real Jungle was, Cruise where it was a line and you had a, you saw the different boats? Yes. Uh, it was basically um, all, there, I'm like, if I had to guess, I would say six or eight of them in a row. So when you were standing in line, you could actually watch the people doing the adventure. You could see six or eight of them in front of you. And but uh, the idea was that you were on this prehistoric river and you were searching, trying to find Wayne Zelensky. Do you guys remember Wayne Zelensky? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you were trying to find him because uh, the way you got back home was by using his time machine. So that was the storyline. <laughs> but uh, and I don't was know. He, I never, was Rick Moranis in it? I have no idea because I was never, never on a successful voyage. <laughs> So I don't know. Uh, we never made it back home. I'm pretty sure we were eaten by dinosaurs or something. We were never successful in finding Wayne Zelensky. But uh, that one, I tell you that one, you worked hard on that one. You were actually rowing and, and the boat moved and, you know, you were on, you know, rapids and, and stuff. It was, it was pretty good. So, and Tony, you said you did that one. Do you remember that one? No, I remember seeing it. I think, and something like that would have scared me back then. I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> and listen, both of those, in its heyday, you know, when when Disney Quest was popular, both of those always had a pretty pretty long line. The and like I said, there were six or eight um, boats for the Jungle Cruise, and I know that there were multiple rooms for the for the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction too. Like there wasn't just one pirate ship. When, when you got through the end of the line and you followed the cast member into your, into your, your pirate ship booth, then there were multiples. You could, you would walk by several glass doors and see other people doing their adventures. So um, multiple, multiple, um, uh, what am I looking for? Multiple ships, multiple boats. But it was still usually a pretty long line. I, I know I waited for 20 or 30 minutes for, for the Jungle Cruise and stuff. Before. But I remember back in those days, though, the, um, the attendance in the park wasn't as crazy as it is now. I, I think I remember going to that place very late at night with my family. And 
I don't remember it being too crowded at all. I, I was just wondering about that, whether it was ever very crowded in there. Yeah, er, in the early 2000s, it was pretty popular and uh, y- it could um, it could really get pretty full in there. It was uh, often crowded. I mean, I, I, I used to go during lights. what was called off-peak back in the early 2000s and uh, there used yeah. to be a lot emptier. Off-peak, I sure do miss off-peak. Remember that? I do. I miss off-peak, man. That was the best. No such thing as that anymore. There's really no such thing as that. Nope. No such thing. Now, there are times that are less crowded. Like, it's not always July 4th. It's not always Christmas Day or whatever. But there's no such thing as a slow season anymore. That does not exist. All right. So that's the first floor. Now, of course, down there around the first floor, they it was all themed around adventure, that kind of stuff. So there were also some relatively modern uh, video games, and you you remember the ones that would that looked like you were getting into like a, a a jeep or something like that, like a safari vehicle. So they had some of those safari vehicle games. It was like really big two seater kinds, and you could get in and chase dinosaurs and stuff. Those kind of video games. So most everything on the first floor was that adventure kind of kind of style. On the second, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to interrupt again because no, go ahead. I'm just slow. No, no problem. But so you keep saying there's five floors. Is it truly five floors, or was it virtual floors? No, it was five floors. The okay. the building, and you, I'm sure you walked by the building. Yeah, you know, I've seen the really building. Tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't know if they. Um, had uh, used it for uh, some of the space for other stuff but anyway yeah, it was truly five floors it in each floor had a different uh kind of adventure or whatever you were supposed to do you know Second, I, i'm kind of upset that i i'm as you're mentioning this i'm looking at a, at a, a layout of the entire map of the place and I'm sorry I didn't get to really, I don't think I got to explore all five floors. I think we had specific things in mind that we wanted to do, maybe because of the time limit that we had. So we just picked, okay, we'll go here and we'll go there. And maybe we'll come back here some other time. But that looks pretty cool now. Yeah, you're, you're making, you're a great salesman, Dewey, because I'm regretting not visiting this place. Well, I, I wish I was getting paid for my salesman <laughs> <laughs> abilities because uh, I am not. All right. So, yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. And l- listen, you guys haven't even, uh, that's just one floor. We haven't even yeah. talked about the other four floors. So let's go to the second floor. Now, this one is, was really pretty cool. And uh, the, the, I guess you could say the main attraction on the second floor was Cyberspace Mountain. And <laughs> Uh, this one was really cool. Did you guys ever play Roller Coaster Tycoon, like that game, the the PC game, where you could you build so. your own roller yeah. coaster, build your own theme park? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of like a Roller Coaster Tycoon. Yeah. You would um, you would walk up to a computer terminal, and it would give you you could it would like tell you how to build your own roller coaster, and it would give you different types of track you would have straight lines and curves and loops and everything and you could build your own roller coaster and you would spend five or six minutes whatever building this roller coaster and then you would climb into this 
tiny, like really, if you're claustrophobic, this would not be for you. You would climb into this capsule and the capsule was like a two seater and they would shut the door. And basically you're sitting in this tiny little capsule and the fr in front of you is a, uh, a video screen. And you would literally ride a virtual version of the roller coaster that you just built. And this capsule was uh, on an, a, a hydraulic arm and it moved. So if you went down or up or side to side, or if you had loops in your roller coaster, then the capsule would spin. And I mean, you actually were moving. So you were literally riding, uh, think Star Tours, right? Think Star Tours, you're riding in a simulator but this simulator moved in on an, an, any axis and it was able to do flips and stuff. So it was pretty intense. It, could it was based really, on, on whatever you, you, you designed, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. You rode the coaster, the wow. track that you just built. So that would be intense because I know myself and I would put <laughs> 50 Lots of loops in that thing. <laughs> it did. It had a limit. Like it would tell you... At this place, you can use a curve or a, oh, or, yeah. so it would tell you it, like you couldn't just do loop, 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 <laughs> and you know, you would you'd kill yourself on that thing. You'd probably <laughs> wear the machine out too. But. Yeah, probably so. So I'm going to read you what the Disney guide says about it. Design a roller coaster on a design kiosk, then sit in a pitch and roll simulator and then in quotes, ride it. Guests may also ride pre-built coasters if they would so choose. So very yeah. cool stuff. That one was actually a lot of fun. That's you know, cool. Really I of... rode one of those, but it was to ride roller coasters, actual roller coasters that were around the country. So I rode oh. some that I knew, and then I would ride some that I had never rode. But that's really interesting. You know, think about how the, the advances of technology that are in this specific place. We're talking yeah. about the early 2000s. This sounds like something that probably if it had been made maybe a decade later, it would be a bigger deal. For some reason, I, I myself included, we saw this technology as, oh, that's nice. They are able to do that now and move on to something else. Maybe because of the old, uh, you know, the older generation thought of it that way. And I know the people that I was with weren't as into it. But when you think about it now, I mean, that sounds totally amazing. Yeah. Even now I'm thinking, man, they need to bring that back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Something and, like it. I mean, that's, that would be perfect for uh, these space places where you can make your own tracks and stuff. And I think I talk about it. I'm, I don't remember my script exactly here, but I think I talk about it later. But really, it was in 98, this place was cutting edge. Yeah, absolutely. And, would have to be. And, yeah. And, you know, Disney was always about, you know, pushing the envelope and creating new experiences. And in the beginning, it was it was cutting edge and they were really on top of those things. It looks like it sounds like a uh, the Jetsons version of Dave and Buster's or something. You know? Yeah, abs yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, that is a really good way to describe it, Tony. It was very much like that. So, you know, in 98 to early 2000s, this place was pretty impressive. But I wonder if it's because people were not 
technologically really minded yet because that really didn't happen until the mid 2000s where everybody suddenly became a tech expert before that it was only geek people geeky absolutely people like that, you know? hey, tony you're 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 on to something I, i'm pretty <laughs> sure i talk about that towards the end of the of the oh okay of this here so uh so last thing on on cyberspace mountain it uh, actually was hosted by Bill Nye, the science guy. You remember he was all He's over back. Disney back <laughs> in the back in the late '90s, and uh, it's funny in the in the uh, little video, the pre-show video or whatever, he referred to himself as Bill Nye, the coaster guy. <laughs> Pretty funny. Next up, another popular attraction that was here on the second floor, Aladdin's Magic Carpet Ride. And on this one, instead of being inside a capsule or instead of being watching a video screen, you actually got on uh, what I guess you could say, think uh, Pandora. What is that? What's the ride in Pandora everybody loves? Um, the ride of. Oh, Flight of Passage. Flight yeah, of there passage. you go. Flight of Passage. You got on a, a kind of sort of bike shaped object. And then hanging above you were um, virtual reality helmets. And you would put on a virtual reality helmet and you would ride the magic carpet. Yeah, that so was cool. So you would ride it through Agrabah collecting gems and you were trying to find the genie who's been hidden away in the Cave of Wonders. This one always had a super long line. It was really long. And again... Early 2000s, you're talking cutting edge virtual Absolutely. reality technology. It was pretty cool. Well, and again, I, I mean, I don't mean to jump ahead with what you have to say at the end of this, but I remember being slightly, I enjoyed that one a lot, but I remember being slightly wary of it because I, I was I was maybe scared of the technology back then of the ability of being able to recreate a world that close to your eyes. Because in, in Disneyland, they had something similar too with uh, where the place that, that where the Carousel of Progress used to be, they had it set up like an Innoventions. And there was a virtual ride like that where you got on a bike and you put these, these uh, space goggles on that came in from above. Sounds exactly like this. And I remember looking at that and thinking, those people look ridiculous. I would never want to do that. And <laughs> yet, you know, here we are in the age of Google Glass. So Absolutely. Yes, it was pretty good. Uh, it, I can say that if you did it in 1999 or 2000 or 2001, you were probably impressed. Yeah. If you did it or in scared. <laughs> 2015 or something, it, you were probably not impressed right. because it looked it kind of cartoonish. Right. And the three, wasn't it 3D or something in there? It was something? 3D. Yeah. The, 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 the virtual reality helmet was also 3D. It made it look three-dimensional. And of course, at that time period, Aladdin was my favorite Disney movie, current Disney movie. So, and I'm sure everybody's, so it was uh, highly popular. Well, remember Aladdin came out in 92. So yeah. uh, 98, when this place opened, it was still a really popular movie. Very popular, yeah. Absolutely. Also on the second floor was the Animation Academy. And this place, it had like a, it was kind of there in the center of the second floor. And it had just, it was like this open air area and lots of uh, stations. And you would sit at a, and like an animation desk or whatever. And uh, they had regular sessions throughout the day 
with a, with an animator that would teach you how to draw characters, but you weren't drawing on paper. You were using light pens and computer screens. Wow. I don't remember that. It was pretty neat. Again, 1999, this is state-of-the-art stuff, man. Like, what is – Apple has the Apple the pen iPad. or whatever yeah. it is now. Uh-huh. I mean, you're talking 1999, dude. This is state-of-the-art stuff. And I hear I just am not – so the more you talk, right, I can see why Disney Quest didn't make it right next to their parks. I mean, that – It's – that's – yeah. Makes sense. But Chicago, where right. – I mean, I get it's a big city and there's a lot to see there, but I'm telling you, if if I knew that Disney Quest was at Chicago listening to this description, I would make a trip to Chicago <laughs> as that is a, a destination location I would be hitting up. Absolutely. I just can't believe it didn't make it. Well, Ron, I'm still talking about the second floor, man. I still I know. have yeah. floors. That's the yeah. part that go. you're flooring me. I just can't imagine... Anyway, yeah, yeah, but to your point, I've got an Apple uh, pencil with an iPad that I use to take notes at work, and I love it. But yes, back in 98, whenever that was, 9820, was it 1998? 1998. Yeah, 98 is when it yeah. opened. Dude, 23 years ago, 24 I mean, years ago. Literally, we didn't, I mean, I graduated college in 90, and we didn't even have computers. <laughs> right. So you're talking eight years later. And you're walking or riding on a, a computer screen? Pretty Come amazing. On. I just can't get over this. So and it's interesting um, that they put that there, considering that sounds like something that should have been at the art of animation in, in MGM Studios, but probably yeah, but because of the pay, technology they, they put it all there. there. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> well, and remember, a lot of this stuff was specifically developed for disney quest because this was going to be a nationwide phenomenon you know the the idea they were going to build 30 of these things so last thing about the animation academy when you were done drawing on your light pen and your computer screen you could purchase a print out (laughs) of your artwork if you wanted so of course you know so so not i sorry to keep interrupting obviously this is uh we're having fun and this is a good discussion, but um, did you have to pay for each of these or was no. it one price? And you, you paid got a ticket to get in and uh, and then you could enjoy, you could stay from open to closed if you wanted to. Yeah. And as I mentioned, it was included in the annual pass that I got. Yeah. Uh, I knew that you had said that, but I didn't know if that was, yeah, that's cool. Do, do we have one more thing to interrupt this uh, no please uh, go this is a good discussion of, what's funny is, is is disney with merchandising i mean not, you can't blame them and we're used to this our all our entire lives but you just reminded me i don't know if you guys knew this when the when the lion king first opened on broadway um during those those first couple of years literally when you came out of the theater you were led right into a disney gift shop <laughs> right into the disney store that was built in to the theater itself it's, I mean, that's long since gone, but it used to be hysterical because you were in a you know Broadway show and then here you go, gift shop. And now I'm not talking about Lion King gift shop. I'm talking about a regular, it was a Disney store. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, we so know. They, in 1998, that was their thing. Let's just go in and um, make money. Well, you know, they've, Disney has perfected the art of exiting an attraction or into a store i mean that is that's their deal that's how you do it 
So next up on the second floor was Sid's create a toy. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> again, another computer kiosk. You would um, you would build, you remember in Toy Story how all of Sid's toys were like a, a baby's head on like a tarantula body or something like all these scary toys. Well, that's basically what you were building. It was a program that featured the evil Sid character from Toy Story and allowed you to custom design a toy out of parts of other toys. And here you go, Disney merchandising spectacular. When you finished building your virtual creation, you could actually buy whatever you created. They had the pieces and you could buy what you <laughs> created on the computer. Did you so, ever do that? Uh, I built them. I played with it because I, I always went with my kids, you know. So let's see. My son was born in 03. So, you know, we probably went here when he was four or five or six or whatever. I don't know. And, uh, you know, so he was enjoying the he loved Toy Story. Uh, and even once uh, we went with my daughter when she was probably five, six, or seven, and she she liked that stuff too. Never you know what's it. interesting about that is if you went to Epcot, and I forget which of the pavilions you did this in, but you could watch them build these plastic robots, and you played a part of it, but then you actually got to take the robot home for free. Oh, neat. I have no idea what you're talking about. What? No, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. That, that's something I must have missed. That's incredible. I've done something that Dewey has not done. <laughs> <at Dewey. laughs> yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was in Innovations, and I don't know if it was in Pavilion 1 or 2, but because I was very interested in writing a Segway, and they had you could buy a um, tour around the parks in a mm -hmm. segue. Mm -hmm. um, but I had lost some weight because there's this weight limit on riding a Segway. And when we were riding, and that's a whole nother story in of itself. I would, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll share that someday because anyway. So um, did you do the Segway tour at some point? I didn't. Oh, you never did it. Oh, okay. No. My, 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 and, my again, there's did, a, my wife did. there's a big story around that. And I'll tell you, tell you one day. Maybe even all. Anyway, did you say your your wife got to do it? Too? Yeah, I, I I didn't do it, but I filmed them scooting around Epcot. That was pretty cool. I kind of remember that. Yeah. Did you post that? Yeah, I did a long time okay. ago. Um. Anyway, so yeah, it was in one of those buildings, and we as the I came up with my the, the, everybody we went all went and um. They really weren't interested in the Segway like I was. So they just started walking around and seeing different stuff. But um, yeah, it was very interesting. Dewey, I think um, it was called Rock and Robots is what he's talking about. And it was in uh, um, event, uh, Interventions West. I will say that uh, I loved Communicore way back in the day. Uh, I didn't really spend a whole lot of time in Interventions Um I remember going into the like the the firehouse, you know, the the house that was supposed to help you get out of a burning building. Uh, I remember doing that. I didn't spend a whole lot of time in interventions in the the 90s and to early 2000s. So uh, it's not surprising that I didn't see that. But that's interesting. That's cool, Ron. All right. So let's see. Next up on. See, we're still on the second floor. 
Living Easels. This is an interactive touchscreen program where guests can place various images, usually like a, you know, a Disney character or something. They could use a several selectable backgrounds and do like almost like a watercolor, but you were printing on a computer or, or painting on a computer. And of course, you could purchase your printed out design later if you wanted to. Another one, this one is actually one that I thought was pretty cool. It was the Radio Disney Song Maker. You could, again, you would, you would walk up to a kiosk, you put on some headphones, and you could create your own song. It's like a karaoke and, thing, wasn't it? What's that? Wasn't it like a karaoke thing? Uh, no, this was all, it was, again, cutting edge stuff. We're talking about digital music. Yeah. Which was, you know, I mean, early 2000, this was even before like Napster and stuff, right? Yeah. But digital music, you could create your own song and then you could buy your <laughs> you could buy your digital song later. And I guess it was on like a CD or something. That's but awesome. they would burn it on these. What did the prices for this stuff run? To I, buy I, all this stuff. Probably $29.95. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even I didn't even research prices. I didn't. No, that's just, fine. I'm just thinking. If you wanted something of every, but of course, I guess the lines were long too. So you didn't really get to do as much as I'm thinking you probably got to. Uh, you could do every bit. You could do every single thing here if you wanted to in a day. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Okay. Multiple rides too. Absolutely. You really could. So that's it for the second floor. On the third floor, again, some pretty impressive stuff. They had the Mighty Ducks Pinball Slam. This was a multi-person, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. Uh, maybe Let me just read what the Disney brochure says, and then maybe it'll help me find the words. So the Mighty Ducks Pinball Slam was based on Disney's afternoon cartoon. The players would become a pinball in a gigantic projected pinball game <laughs> by rocking your duck back and forth up to 12 players at a time control their corresponding pinball on the screen attempting to collect the most points so there would be 12 stations basically and you you stood on this small platform that was but moved back and forth and front and back. You could move in all directions. And it had handrails that you would hold on to. And then you physically moved your entire body to control your, your pinball up on the screen. And the screen was big. It was like a movie theater size screen. And so you had all the, these 12 stations on the floor and then everybody looking up at the big movie screen. And then of course, people walking by could watch the big screen as well, but you were literally uh, controlling your your pinball character, and you moved it by moving your body on these little platforms. And uh, it was pretty it was pretty fun. I wasn't really a Mighty Ducks fan. I definitely wasn't a Mighty Ducks cartoon fan. But uh, despite the theming of Mighty Ducks, it was uh, it was a fun fun attraction. It was fun to do. You know what's funny? It almost sounds like they don't even have those games today. It's amazing they existed back then. <laughs> I know. Well, yes, because, I mean, 
and again, not to not to spoil the the end of this uh, discussion, but most of this stuff you can do at home if you want. Yeah, to. You, know, you could do a lot of things at home now that you you couldn't do in 1999 or 2001 or whatever. Right. So now the next one, this is probably probably like top three biggest uh attractions and most popular attractions at disney quest and this was buzz lightyear's astro blaster this one players would board bumper cars and attempt to navigate over asteroids which were really foam balls and the asteroids were on the floor but your bumper car had like a vacuum cleaner like a, a suction unit underneath and when you drove over one of these asteroids, it would go into a hopper and then you could shoot those asteroids out of a cannon on the front of your uh, of your your bumper car. The idea was that these asteroids, uh, when you sucked them up into the cabin, your, your player, your, another player, the two people could ride in this thing, could load them into a cannon and shoot it at the other cars and every car had like a target on it. And if you hit the other cars in the correct spot, you could make the other bumper cars spin around and they would spin for 10 seconds if you hit them. So uh, usually two players to a car, but you could do it alone if you wanted to. You would just have to drive and load the cannon at the same time. But this one always had, I mean, it would have like a 60 minute wait because there was only, I don't know, 10 or 12 uh little bumper cars in this caged in area and you could stand outside the cage and watch the chaos, but it was a really fun attraction. And once you got into it, uh, but it was also fun to watch too, but this one was pretty popular. You remember that one, Tony? No, I don't. I don't. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that one's, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. This one was pretty good. So last up on the third floor, uh, and this was actually where I spent most of my time and most of the oh, days. Let me guess. Star Wars. Uh, yeah, no, no, not, not Star Wars. Not, there was. Oh, uh, yeah. They didn't, they didn't own Star Wars at that point. They didn't no. own Star Wars. Yeah. But there, there was a couple of Star Wars games. They were. Um, uh, Pinball, you remember uh, the video. episode one, the pod racer game? Yeah. You remember that game? where you would, it literally had the pod racer. Right. You sat in it, and then you con controlled the pod. But that was an idea. They I, did I, have that. That was a generic arcade game, though. Yeah, they, they had some of those. Um, but, uh, and I can't remember where those were. But the my favorite place here in Disney Quest, where I spent most of my time, was the replay zone. And it basically was a collection of classic video games from the 80s. Favorites such as Ms. Pac-Man, Burger Time, Cubert, Joust, things like that. Uh, Centipede. Please tell me they had Centipede. Yep, they had Centipede. Uh, if, uh, Galaga. You oh, remember yeah. Galaga? Uh, you know, if it was an 80s video game, they had it. That's awesome. And you could, you could just play there for as long as you wanted without having to have a, a pocket full Quarter. of quarters to play. It was just... Hit player one, hit player one, and you could you could just play over and over again. This place was awesome. And uh, they had them. Uh, there was what was cool is 
you could they had a bank of these right beside the Buzz Lightyear thing. So if your kid was in line for Buzz Lightyear, you could sit there and play Qbert or whatever for you know the hour that your kid was waiting in line for for the the Buzz bumper card. That was a lot of fun. They had tons and tons of 80s games there. Next up on the fourth floor, and uh, I, I only did this once or twice, but um, again, it was early 2000s. It was cutting-edge technology. It was another, another virtual reality helmet game, and uh, it was called Ride the Comics. And here you can Comics, right? Comics, yeah, like a comic book. And here you would enter the comic book world. You could uh, battle with supervillains by using a laser sword. And up to six players could be on a team at a time. So uh, it was kind of generic. It wasn't any particular comic uh, character or anything kind of generic stuff. But uh, you could uh, play on teams with your friends and and fight supervillains and stuff. See, now listen to what you're saying. Wouldn't this just fit right in with what they own now to put this in? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But again, we're talking... imagine Marvel. It was... In early 2000, when you yeah. saw it, you were like, wow. But the, you know, the, and if you think of, I mean, think about like the Super Nintendo, how amazing it was. And back then, you know, then, but if you look at the, like the graphics and stuff now, they're really outdated. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing with these. By the time 2012 rolled around, mm-hmm. the, the, the virtual reality, the animation on these was outdated and you know it it didn't get better over time well remember that line from back to the future that's a baby's toy <laughs> yeah that, yes. you have to use your hands yeah that's a baby toy that's 100 correct that's exactly right all right so up on the fifth floor they had a, another ride the comics this time it's called ride the comics five and here's the secret. The number only in- indicates what floor it's on because the Ride the Comics 5 was an exact replica of the Ride the Comics ride or attraction that was on the fourth floor. They just called it four or five because of the floor. But they had double of them. They had two of them. I don't remember did, those Did they make that note? Or could you get a shorter line on the fifth floor? <laughs> you probably could because... One of the most popular things that were that was on the fifth floor was Invasion, an extraterrestrial alien encounter. So it was a tie-in to the alien encounter attraction, the short-lived alien encounter attraction over at uh, Disney's Magic Kingdom. So on this, four players ride inside a rescue vehicle to save astronauts one player drives the other three shoot enemy aliens uh and it was based on the now extinct magic kingdom attraction it wasn't uh you weren't actually riding it was one of those video games you know where you sat in a car and you know you had video screens and stuff but uh it was cool because it was a video game that was all about the aliens from alien encounter that one was pretty popular too So that one was hard to get on. All right. So, and then a couple of things that were removed. Uh, One thing was removed pretty early and there was actually uh, just a, a corkscrew slide 
that was uh, on the third floor. And if you got on it and slid all the way down, it would take you to the first floor. Uh, uh, so how many people pretty, died on that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think anybody died, but uh, it was, uh, it only lasted about a year, but it was a 150 foot long slide from the oh third my floor. Oh, goodness. And, and at the bottom of it, they don't tell you it was a bowl of slime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it only lasted a year. It said it closed after Disney Quest's first year of operation. So that's crazy. Yeah. It, it was, had to have uh, been a liability. Yeah. Probably. It was probably somebody got hurt or something yep. or something like that. And then there was also something called Treasure of the Incas, where you drove a small remote control toy truck through a maze in search of of treasure and uh, that one didn't last long either uh that is where eventually where the the virtual jungle cruise ride and those uh, big safari truck video games that i that i told you about earlier that's where that area was um that sounds like something they should have imported into the mexico pavilion i mean i know it's busy enough in there but sure absolutely but um so that's a couple of things that were removed. And there was also something called magic mirrors. Uh, it was on the second floor and here you could take a picture of yourself and tell me if this sounds familiar to you guys. If you, if you experience this in today's society, you could take a digital picture of yourself and then edit your face to look like a cartoon. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Of course. But again, early two thousands, you were like, a digital picture and now I could put something on my face. You know, it's to me, it sounds like a stupid Snapchat filter, yeah. you know, I mean, it's exactly what it is, but you're talking in, you know, it says the attraction closed in 2005. So, um, you know, early two thousands, it was pretty interesting stuff to be able to, uh, it it know, almost sounds it, like you're going to say next. And then if you place your camera here, you'll be able to take care, take a picture of yourself. That's called a selfie. A selfie. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Everything you sounds know, so advanced in this place. It's crazy. It's, it was pretty cool. So that's what you could do. All of those things at Disney quest. And you could, I mean, you could spend the entire day, the, um, the, the place was open Disney quest was open from 1130 AM until 10 PM on weekdays. And then on Fridays and Saturdays, it would stay open until 1130 PM. So you could literally, if you went on a weekend day, you could spend a full 12 hours here if you wanted to. See, and, and therein, therein seems to lie the problem. I think this should have been open past the park hours, but that's just me. Because I, I think if, if you're spending all this money to be at the park, even back then, you're going to be at the park. You're not necessarily thinking, okay, I'm going to spend the day at the, uh, at the virtual park. Again, and maybe this was just my perspective, but we would do it. It was always an extra. It was, yeah. if we, you know, if, if we had, had an extra day or something, right. we weren't going to go to, we're planning to go to the parks that day. Yeah. This would be an extra, or if it was a rainy day or something like that. So I don't think, I mean, well, I'm, I'm getting ahead again, but I don't think that they pushed this, all these things that you described. I think if we really understood that that's what was in there, I think that probably would have, would have spurred much more interest. A lot of it could have been, you know, just the unknown. Maybe you didn't know about it again, because we're talking, at least early on, this is 
pre-internet or yeah. very early on internet. early internet yeah yeah so you weren't really you know you weren't googling what's in disney quest you know <laughs> you you had to have the planning pan- video or pamphlet right yeah or the, right, exactly. the disney tv thing yeah so you're right maybe uh may uh, maybe a lack of knowledge about what disney quest was i mean look, look at it this way i mean Ron and I are big fans, and what everything you said today, we're sitting here going, "Wow, really?" <laughs> so just imagine the, the average person; they would not have known. Absolutely. And then if you, no, I mean, you, re- you remember they would send the DVDs, yeah, the planning and stuff. But there's only so much they can. I mean, you can't That's do. True. A ho- so there was enticement, but not when you look at the because pro- I'm. I mean, I don't know the pricing, but I'm sure it was not much less than entry for one of the other parks. It was probably like about $30 paying, or so. Yeah. When you're I'm, planning I'm a going trip, to tell you just a second. Okay. I'll tell so. you the price. Yes. But <laughs> um, so, so yeah, the, um, you know, I mean, think about it. If you have a, if you're on there for a five day trip or something, are you going to take a day away from, yeah. you know, I, I think I'll skip the magic kingdom, but go to Disney quest. <laughs> right. You know, probably, probably not. So unfortunately, this grand plan of 30 locations all across the nation was not meant to be. The Chicago location did not meet expectations. Disney projected that the Chicago location would have about 3 million visitors a year. And uh, but that number could only be met if the if they met guest capacity for about 17 hours a day for every day of its operation. Right. So yeah. just that yeah. that's a really big number, 17 yeah. or three million. So when you when that's your when that's the the set goal, it's unlikely you're going to to meet that. You know that was a very lofty expectation. Needless to say, they didn't hit that. They didn't make that 3 million people per year. So a few things that were, that led to to the downfall of the Chicago location and the expansion was for one, expensive ticket prices. When they first opened, the tickets were $34 per person for an all day ticket. Uh, and later, at some time during the run, they lowered the price to $26 because I guess they, they found that the $34 price was too much. You add to that the enormous expenses of maintaining and upgrading VR equipment, and there was just no way for these locations to become profitable. Sadly, after only two years, the Chicago location was permanently closed on September 4th of 2001 due to low attendance. After the failure of Disney Quest Chicago, the Disney Quest project was officially brought to an end. The second expansion location, they had already begun clearing the ground. They were going to build it in Philadelphia. Uh, No vertical construction was ever started. They quit pretty quickly. Uh, when they saw that Disney Quest Chicago was not meeting expectations and they scrapped the Philadelphia location. A Disney Quest at Disneyland Resort in California never proceeded past the planning stage 
and another location that had been at least announced in downtown Toronto was uh, also canceled. So all of these plans of 30 locations across the nation in trying to hit these high urban areas uh, never came to be. So that leaves the one and only the first Disney Quest and the last Disney Quest, uh, only one remaining, the one in downtown Disney in Florida. So why did, did it, uh, why did it not succeed? In part, it was the failure of the chain concept that contributed to the eventual demise of even the downtown Disney location. Because the expansion plan was given the axe, guess what else was given the axe? The budget. There was no longer a budget to improve, upgrade, or develop new technology that would continue to uh, make the downtown Disney location uh, an attraction to, to draw new guests. So in fact, the last major update to Disney Quest and downtown Disney came way, way back in the year 2000. And that is when the addition of Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for Buccaneer Gold replaced the Hercules and the Underworld attraction. So it opened in 1998 and its last major addition was in the year 2000. And uh, a year later, they had closed the Chicago experience so there was no new investment into creating new experiences. So Disney Quest managed to stay open another 17 years, though, after the last major improvement. So 2000 was the last major improvement. Disney kept running it until 2017. This and Disney's apparent apathy towards even maintaining the existing attractions led to frequent breakdowns which equals unhappy guests, right? Eventually, these frequent breakdowns led to permanent closures, which made guests even more unhappy. Fewer attractions, outdated attractions, all at the same price. They didn't lower the price of, of a Disney Quest day there at Disneyland. I'm sorry, at Disney's Downtown Disney. So why keep going if you're not getting new stuff but paying the same price? In 2011 whether due to breakdowns or other reasons, the cyberlators actually stopped showing the intro video. So when you, would go, when you would come in and see Genie pop up on the little magical screen in the elevator, that's, that stopped running in 2011. So, and really that kind of eliminated a bit of the fun, but also kind of eliminated the whole concept and the whole storyline of what Disney Quest was supposed to be. Again, just they're like, ah, video stopped working. I guess we'll just stop doing it, you know? And instead of fixing it, they're like, nah, kind of like the Disco Yeti over at Expedition Everest. They're just like, we'll just throw a, a magic strobe light on it. So and for the most part, it was all downhill from there. Downtown Disney's Disney Quest limped on for its last six years with no new improvements, not really fixing the broken stuff. And on July 3rd, 2017, Downtown Disney's Disney Quest was closed to make way for the NBA experience. And uh, I don't know, do you guys know anything about the NBA experience? A little, just a little tiny bit. I don't, 
Well, it opened in 2019, I think August of 2019, uh, and then closed when Disney World closed with in March of 2020 for the COVID uh, pandemic, and it never reopened. Didn't, they weren't they never, using it a bit for the games, though? What's in, that? Didn't they use it a bit for the games in 2021? Uh, no, the, the games were actually down at uh, what they call the bubble oh. at uh, – the Disney's Wild World, Wide World of Sports, or I guess it's called ESPN Wild World of Sports now. Uh, that's where the, the NBA season actually took place during the pandemic. Now, the NBA experience was really all it was was just walk into this building and pretend you're an NBA player and you could go play free basketball and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Ron, you'll love this. My kids got to do it for free one time <laughs> because uh, Disney gave cast members a free. Um, what do they call it? A cast member preview. So my father-in-law was able to take my kids into it. They could take two guests. So they went and experienced it in August of 2019. And, uh, you know, they, they said it was pretty cool, but it wasn't worth 40 bucks or whatever it cost to get into it. But so it opened in August of 2019, closed in March of 2020 because of the pandemic and it never opened and it's not ever going to open again. It's, uh, wow. it's, it's, they put much of a failure. Wow. It was a giant failure. And so they haven't really said what's going to go in that space yet. They haven't announced anything, but kind of strange that they, I mean, the, they didn't use the Disney quest building. It was a complete, uh, complete, just demolished to the ground and start over, build a new building for the NBA experience. And it was open for, what, six months? So not even. So really, really strange that that is what happened. But that is exactly what happened. Um, And it's just sitting there, you know, closed. Doors are closed. Does Disney still have that major sports connection, though? Because didn't they used to have... I I never went there at all. I'm not really a big sports guy, but the ESPN zone type thing? ESPN zone. I don't think they have that anymore, do they? There is an ESPN zone restaurant. It's on the boardwalk um, down at um, Disney's boardwalk, you know, the resort. Now, the the restaurant is still there. And then, uh, you know, Disney owns ESPN, so... The wild world, wide world of sports. I can't say that very well. The wide world of sports is uh, actually called the ESPN wide world of sports now, and it's still there. And, you know, the they have um, all kinds of sports uh, tournaments and stuff from around the country go there. It's a destination for for youth sports to go and play tournaments there. Oh, okay. So that's still a big deal. The restaurant used to there used to be a restaurant uh, chain here in New York, but I, I didn't realize that Disney had anything to do with them until it was almost gone. And yeah, but in, in Disney still has a relationship with the NBA and mm-hmm. the, the closure of the NBA experience didn't alter that relationship, but they have um, I, I really I don't know what's what the deal is, why it is why they just completely abandoned that concept. I mean, it was, it's really quite strange. You, you would think that after spending that much money, they would have, um, I don't know, maybe they could have 
lower ticket prices or something. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, they built the entire facility. I don't even know how much it cost to build that thing. Uh, but it was open for six months. And they're like, eh, no, not working. We're done. And and so I guess did we'll they, just did they also get rid of uh, we're going on a side tangent here, but just quick, quickly, uh, is does the Richard Petty thing still exist as well? The, the driving what? experience, the old driving experience they used to have. Oh, the Richard Petty driving experience. Yeah. No, that they actually uh, that's gone. The track itself is gone. It's uh, it's more parking lot for the Magic Kingdom now. Yep, that whole they dem they demolished that, that track. Yep, demolished that track. It's been gosh, it's probably been gone. 10 years, probably. It's been got a really long time. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it for Disney Quest, guys. So, uh, Tony, you said wow. that you went, but you went there once or twice. It doesn't sound like you uh, really experienced everything that was there, though. No, because I didn't go with my, by myself. And, and uh, the times that I did go, it was with other people. I remember my nephews got a big kick out of all the video game areas. And in, in the 90s and 2000s, I was not into video games. So I was that didn't interest me whatsoever. I love the Aladdin thing. That's still in my uh, in my brain as that was my favorite thing to do when I when I went there. But I didn't realize that there were, there were that many floors or if I did know there were other floors at the time, I that kind of technology didn't just didn't do it for me. And part of what I was alluding to before is the fact that the Disney parks themselves are such grand experiences to, to have this one added onto it is almost like overkill. You're, you're just overloaded with, with uh, all of this at once. You have to kind of pick and choose what you're going to do while you're on vacation. And that just sounded like a whole uh, big drag to do. Uh, I, I did do it, get to do it those two times though. So that was fun. Yeah. I've probably been, went there, I don't know if I had to guess maybe five, six times, something like that. I don't know. Maybe up to 10. I don't think it was that many times, but I've done it a few times and we always enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, but you know, you guys know my situation. We, we have the opportunity to go to, to central Florida relatively often, at least before the pandemic. So, and we would go for a, a lengthy amount of time. We weren't paying for a hotel or anything. We would stay with my father-in-law. So we had that's the opportunity the real, to do that's things. That's the real um, kick of it. If you have like weeks and you don't have to worry about what day you're going to go to the park, then definitely I, I think we would have spent more time doing that. Like I've never done the, um, the uh, miniature golf. I'm dying to see that in, in, in person, but just there's never been enough time to do that. Barely, barely even made it to uh, Disney Springs. I did on my last visit, we got to go there for two hours quickly just to spring through it because we wanted to see what it what the new one looked like. Um, we hadn't been there since before they changed it. And I'm glad I got to go to see it. But you really need enough time to really enjoy that experience to the fullest. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, you know, I've done the you mentioned the the golf course, the miniature golf. I've done those as well. Uh, and it's fun. It's not something I would take a day out of uh, going to a parks or something, but, you know, I would do it because we had, you know, we were there for several weeks and, you know, we're just looking to do something different, something we hadn't done before. So if they made um, 
these extra activities that are outside the park a little less expensive, I think they would see more um, use of those areas because the problem is, is we on we make Disney Springs a destination every time just because we really enjoy well the world of Disney shop mm -hmm. and they used to have more even more shops that were basically all Disney. Um, now they've added all that other stuff that it's some of it's nice, but it's I can go shopping and get <laughs> stuck with my wife looking for five hours here. I don't need to go to Disney to do that. Um, but when you're shopping and you get to see stuff that you don't normally see from a Disney perspective anyway, then that makes it a little more enjoyable. But that being said, even if we have extra time, we're we're on a budget. So yeah, we would go resort hopping just to see because there's neat stuff and in and enjoyable activities by doing that, and it doesn't cost any additional money. For the most part. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, you know, again, like I said, when we go, we're there for an extended amount of time, and we don't necessarily want to go pay for parking and, uh, you know, and, mm -hmm. and go into the parks. We don't, if we're down there for a month, you know, with, with my in-laws, uh, you guys know I'm a, I'm a teacher, so I have the summers off, uh, you know, we'll, we'll stay for a month and we might go to the parks six times, you know, we're, we're there really just spending time with family and, you know, going swimming. My father-in-law has a pool, so we'll spend lots of time by the pool. So we'll, we'll do a, a day at the mini golf course or, or go have beignets at, at uh, uh, Port Orleans or whatever. We'll do stuff like that and uh, really only go into the parks five or six times. So uh, that's why I've had the, the opportunity to do some of the things that are outside of the parks. So good stuff. All right. That was a pretty good discussion, guys. Thanks for, thanks for reminiscing with us on the, the the gone no longer with us disney quest down at uh, also no longer with us downtown disney now we're calling it disney springs all right so this week on what's happening now in walt disney world i wanted to take a quick second or two to talk about a new lighting sequence that debuted on spaceship earth for the 2022 International Flower and Garden Festival at Epcot. Epcot, you know, I call it Epcot Center, so uh, I'm always gonna call it Epcot Center. But you guys remember uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about the Rainbow Connection show that was there for the Festival of the Arts. Well, you know, they they took down Festival of the Arts and poof, magically another, another celebration happening at Epcot Center. This time it's the, the very popular International Flower and Garden Festival. So the new lighting sequence on Spaceship Earth is a three minute sequence set to a, uh, a just a musical version or an orchestral version of the song Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas way back in the, and one other one of the, the Disney decade of uh, movies back in the 90s. 
So the new show, three minute long sequence, Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. Uh, do you, either of you guys get a chance to check out a video of that new, the new video, the new sequence? I have not. I, I have seen the video, but I haven't heard the soundtrack yet. I'm actually kind of looking at it as we speak. As we've been speaking. Uh, it's pretty cool. It, uh, it begins at sunset. Uh, usually, you know, it's like 6.30ish or so right now, this time of year. Uh, it, they do it about three times per hour. So it, it happens about every 20 minutes. So plenty of opportunities to check out the video. If or the video, I'm seeing it on video, plenty of, plenty of opportunities to check out the actual show. If you're there in Epcot and, uh, happen to be walking by spaceship Earth, and you know that, uh, it's using that new technology that they just put up for, uh, for the 50th anniversary, those points of lights, using all the lights on Spaceship Earth. So really cool. And uh, I've always liked that song. It's a pretty, pretty cool song. Oh, it's uh, well, song. Actually, it's the best song from, from Pocahontas. From Pocahontas. But, yeah. um, but it's pretty much. Cool I enjoy though. that song as well. But even, even if it's instrumental, that's yeah. got a very soothing, it's, it's a good, I like it a lot. So do you think the points of light are here to stay and they'll just keep changing the theme of them? Uh, The points of light are here to stay. They're they're definitely going to stay. You know, it's just new technology that they're, uh, they could do anything they want with it. They can throw up a song and just do a random light show if they want. But what it seems like they're doing is they're certainly uh, programming shows specific to uh, different Disney, Disney songs. Um, or I, you know, one was a Muppet song, but Disney owns the Muppets. So <laughs> it's a Disney song now. Uh, you know, I, I, I see this probably happening several times a year from this point forward, but even when it's not moving to a specific song or it's a, a new show or whatever, it's still pretty spectacular to see. I think, yeah, I've seen it. It's pretty cool. And I haven't um, seen it in person yet. Yeah. That's I'm looking forward to just on, just on, you know, Instagram or YouTube or whatever, I've seen it and it, seeing it on TV or on my phone, it's pretty spectacular. It I is pretty imagine. gorgeous. And, and, and not to spoil the magic or anything, but do you have any idea what they're doing? Is that fiber optics or is that built on the inside or is it being projected from one of those spheres in the front? How is that? How are they doing that? They, it's LEDs. They've LEDs. actually got 2000 LEDs that built are onto the points on the, uh, uh, and they're mounted now on the uh, on those yes. on those triangle shaped things, mm-hmm. like basically in each where the where the tiles come together. Yeah, spaceship the Earth, tiles. They've yeah. just put uh, they've just put two thousand LEDs in those those uh, negative spaces. I guess it's yeah. absolutely, it's absolutely good to go around doing that. Not yeah, right. <laughs> you don't want that not job. A high person. You don't want to be the Mickey that stands on top of. No, the- I do not want to be the Mickey that stands on top of that thing. He was tethered, Ron. Come on, it was totally safe. <laughs> Not for me. You know, I, I'm looking at this. I'm. Sh- I don't know if they already currently sell this, but this would be a great thing to sell. You know, you take this home, a little spaceship Earth that lights oh, up. Be like awesome. This. Oh, I guarantee that that's that you coming. can program. That you can um, program. I, yeah, I, I mean, I have a. Um, you know, I've bought tree kits over the years, <laughs> and I've got you know a little miniature spaceship earth statue or whatever i guarantee you if it's not already there it it's will coming. be there it's going to be a spaceship earth with 
you know, LEDs in it to, and to it can light be up. yours for $299.95. I was oh, going to say, put down, put back that $2,000 that it's going <laughs> to. Absolutely. All right. So that's what I found interesting this weekend. What's happening now in Walt Disney World. So last up is our third and final segment of the show. My this favorite. It, well, so Ron says it's his favorite. That's We didn't even ask the question, what's your favorite? Ron's <laughs> favorite is what's your favorite? <laughs> so each week, one of our hosts bring with them a question to ask the other two guys. Those two hosts don't know the questions ahead of recording, and we must answer the questions on the spot. This week... I believe we're shooting it over to Tony this week. Tony, you have this week's What's Your Favorite? I do, Dewey. Outstanding. Yeah. Well, Ron, I think I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Tony, lay it on us. What you got? Okay, you guys know that when I do this, I usually like to give you guys a little bit more than two choices to go by. So I'm doing that with this one too, only because I, I wanted to stay in theme with what we were talking about with regard to Disney Quest. And as we were mentioning, a lot of these technologies eventually somewhat made their way into the parks. And I'd like to know which of these is your favorite? What's your favorite? Is uh, What's your favorite Disney interactive experience on a ride? Would it be Toy Story Mania at Disney MGM Studios? Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger uh, spin that's over in... Um, Magic Kingdom. We've got Mission Space Advanced Training over at Epcot or the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run at Disney MGM Studios, actually Disney Hollywood Studios, forever MGM to me. I'll let you go first, Ron. You go ahead. Since I'm not, well, I've really honestly only experienced one of those. Um, wait, wait, what? You've only experienced one of those. uh, Dewey, I was expecting you to do a spit take there. Uh, Yeah. So wait a minute. You've you've only experienced one of which one have you done? What what, what, have you not done three of those? Name them again Toy Story Mania. (laughs) You're right. Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin. Spin, right? Mission Space Advanced Training. And Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run. Yeah, done one. <laughs> you you have definitely done Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story Mania. You that's definitely... it. It's not brand new though. I thought no, 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 no. These are a lot of the only one new one here. Really, is um, the Millennium Falcon. Wait, then back up. I'm sorry. I'm getting them confused. Okay. So I know that I've done the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Toy Story. Uh, you've done Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. The one Were in you? Magic Kingdom. Okay. Yes. And then there's Toy Story Mania in Hollywood Studios. That's the one where you get to play all the games. and you I've the not th- done that one. You've not done Toy Story Mania? How have I missed that? Where is get- it at? It's, it's in Toy Story Land. It's in... I mean, Not even, even. it was Toy before Story Toy Land is new. No, before but Toy Story Land, it was there. It's been there it was for at least in 20 Pixar, years. Yeah, it was in Pixar Place uh, right uh, there before Toy Story Land was built. Somehow we missed it. 
There is no way you, oh my gosh, there is no way you've not done Toy Story Mania. That is impossible. Oh, wait, but you you didn't go off and go to the Hollywood Studios, right? Most times we went to Hollywood Studios. Yeah, so it's it's the one of the main attractions. Hmm. But we were very limited on time. So, man, I'm sorry, but no, I'm not ready. That's okay. And what about Millennium Falcon's Smuggler's Run? Did you get to go yeah, on that? We, okay. No, we didn't get to go on that. Okay. So, 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 hey, Ron, let me tell you something about this place I like to go to called Walt Disney World. Oh <laughs> there, at Walt Disney World, there are attractions. And typically what a, a, a person does is once you've purchased a ticket, once you walk through the gate of one of their four theme parks, you're supposed to experience the attractions there. Hey, Dewey. Yes. Let me remind you that we did Disney Studios with you, and we you did not take me to this attraction. Okay. When I was in the Disney Studios with you, uh, that was like 2004. Toy Story Mania wasn't there yet. It wasn't there yet, but it's been there for a decade at least. Holy smokes. Okay, so so Ron, obviously your favorite is the one that you've done. Yes. <laughs> what is that? Buzz Lightyear spin. <laughs> and I Holy still enjoy goodness. it. We still ride it. Oh my goodness. So I will say that once we get hooked on rides, they become um the the priority and somehow this one just i knew that it was there but um i guess when we're does it fall into what's the queue look like i mean is it can you walk past it without realizing that you're walking past it toy story mania possibly but if you have to walk through that side of the park you'll see it well when it was before they built toy story land uh, it Pixar Place was literally like that's why you went there because it was a dead end. Like you couldn't walk all the way through it. Because we even have pictures with with the carrot. I don't know, guys. I'm. I don't oh, know. That's wild. Well, Did Toy ever... Story Mania opened in May of 2008, so it's we've been, been there, here definitely. It's been here. What this is 2022, so it's been here 12 years. Well, though, now that you say that, we really have not gone as a family since we, we've gone, but it's always been very rushed visits. So we would go in and do what we know that we love to do. And not that I'm not interested in writing that. It's just that I honestly look at it like oh it's just another buzz light year spin so i never went we didn't make it a priority and and so it's that's that's how we've missed it but ron what about your favorite ride uh mission space Mission space. i, would have no, I have definitely have watched it and seen people playing it and, oh you never got to do it uh, we've never one it looked i'll be honest it looks complicated and it looks time consuming and so uh, not being a gamer i just i've i've watched it several times and i'm sure it's enjoyable but um we've never taken the time to do it 
And what about, well, you mentioned also earlier that there was a pavilion in Epcot that you got to, did you say you built the droids as well? Did you get to build a yeah. robot? I mean, well, yeah. well, I'm talking about that kind of experience. There used to be the image works at Epcot, the, um, the, um, those places in Epcot where you got to interact. So you could count that into something too, if you haven't been to the others. Yeah. What's your, the, favorite, inter what's your favorite thing to interact with in, 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 in and then yes then i i really enjoyed in, in inventions i inventions. think i don't know how much is still there because again yeah. it is these things are time i mean if it's not an attraction and you're doing you're taking a lot of time that could be used to do the other larger attractions and stuff but if i had extra time like we did when we did the robot we spent a lot of time in that pavilion because there was just so much to do. Yeah. And it, very interesting stuff too. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, it was very entertaining and, but it's inside when you have the opportunity to be outside in the nice weather and stuff. And what, so, what about the ones that are ride connected? Like the one, did you, did you ever do the one at Dumbo or at the, haunted i think the haunted mansion has a couple of switches you can pull and also the um the voyage well, of the now Mermaid. so mission space has things mission space is absolutely my favorite ride and i get very aggravated pet peeve when people don't play into the role and go and don't hit the button hit the freaking button i know it doesn't do anything but play into my imagination <laughs> Well, there you go. I mean, that one counts. Oh, yes, I love that. Yeah, mission that, that counts because you actually are doing something to yeah. interact with the with the thing. So definitely, so in your case, it would be mission space. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That that makes sense. And that wasn't one of the four choices, Tony. Stop letting Ron cheat. He can he can he can <laughs> cheat. It's not really cheating because I did say mission space advanced training. So that's yeah. super advanced training. So that counts. Yeah, Ron's go. like, my favorite interactive thing is when you're in the bathroom and you can put your hand under the sink and it <laughs> makes water come out automatically. <laughs> I like the interactive sinks at Disney World bathrooms. I really like that the, you can walk away from the urinal and not have to worry about flushing. And you, it is flushing better. for you. I like the interactive hand dryers. Hey, I mean, seriously, have you no? <laughs> we used Stop to we used to tell Ron we used to tell the kids that we would take it. Oh, Mickey's flushing for you, <laughs> <laughs> which would probably scare them to death anyway. So, oh, uh, goodness. <laughs> Dude, we're really and really out off on a tangent here because Ron hasn't done. <laughs> half of the things on your list that's fine that's that's part of the fun of it actually that that's absolutely cool. it is fun making fun of ron yeah, oh, i agree dude. it is fun <laughs> well well okay so do we which of those was your favorite all right so uh you know what you're probably going to be surprised by my choice you're everybody's probably thinking dewey's going to pick star wars and no, that's i think i think i keep going i'll tell you which one after you pick uh, well, you I probably think, think I'm going Millennium Falcon, and that is unbelievably amazing to sit in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon and, and to do that. Uh, but I'm going Toy Story Mania. That thing is, uh, it is 
absolutely just fun for first of all it's fun for everybody the whole family can go on it and uh it's competitive you know i i go on there and i you know i always uh my son and i always demolish the girls my wife and my daughter they don't stand a chance but jd and i uh go back and forth and i always beat him at buzz but he always beats me at toy story so uh but we always have that's so much fun that is really Toy Story Mania is one of the best attractions in all of Disney World, not just in this interactive question that uh, that you're going with, Tony. It's literally one of the best things at Disney World. It is absolutely fantastic. It is so much fun. Really? Oh, yeah. It's cool. It is really, really cool. Really fun. I it's promise I won't miss it next time. You, I mean, the queue is amazing. You're walking through this little maze that Andy built with Scrabble boxes and, you know, the chain of monkeys and, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's definitely Toy Story Mania for me, Tony. Love that. It's really, really fun. Well, that, so I, I thought you would have chosen um, Buzz Lightyear spin. I, I'll be honest with you. The reason I didn't choose that is because uh, I beat it every single time. Every single time I go, I max out nine 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 whatever the score. I'm a what is it Galactic Hero or whatever. I know how to beat it, so uh, it's not as fun anymore. I've never beaten Toy Story Mania, mm. um, and to be honest with you, I know ne I've never been able to beat the high score of the day or whatever that they show on the screen. Uh, it's still a challenge, and it's still uh, really fun. So I love that one. Well, I, I'd like to say this question actually came from my wife. She's the one who threw that idea out to me since we were talk, going to be talking about Disney Quest. And uh, you would think also that my initial choice would be Millennium Falcon's Smuggler's Run. I love that, obviously, for many different reasons. But what, the two times I only got to ride it twice, and the two times I got to ride it, I was the crew member in the back, the, the one just flipping two or three switches. I mean, the good part about that is you get to see the experience that everyone else is going through. And I think my experience would be different if I had been in the captain or co-captain, co-pilot chair, that would be totally uh, changed my feeling about it. Although, you know, I think it's great. I can't wait to go back on there again, but I, I do actually agree with you. Toy Story Mania is a lot of fun. The, the few times I've been on it, um, it's, fun as a family you can all go on together and do this little bit and it takes you from one video game switches you around gets you to another video game switches you back around it, it, it's kind of a fun kind of an idea that um i that i think they had been developing with the with the hope that they would continue to do this kind of family oriented interactive experience and that's one of the, the earlier ones, and that's one of the ones with, that they got pretty well. I agree. Very cool. Uh, love Toy Story Mania. All right, guys. Well, that just about does it for this episode of the WDW Reflections podcast. Please find and follow us on all of our social media accounts. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube at WDW Reflections podcast. And on Twitter at WDW Reflections. This podcast can currently be found on just about all the major podcast, pla podcast platforms, say that three times fast, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 
If you love the show, please leave us some feedback on either Apple or Spotify. Those positive feedbacks help the show reach a larger audience and helps us grow. Don't forget, you can also message us from any of our social media accounts, or you can email us at wdwreflectionspodcast at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, requests for trip tips, ideas for future podcast topics, or anything else that you can think of. We'd love to hear from y'all. And please keep coming back because we truly appreciate you listening. Thanks for reflecting on Walt Disney World memories with us on the WDW Reflections Podcast. See you real soon. <laughs>